Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, what great music and singing and playing we've had this morning. Stand with me. You know, one of the things that I've always said is if the preaching ever gets as good as the music here, we're going to go somewhere, aren't we? <laughs> Take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Acts. We've been doing a series, and the series is called The Holy Spirit, and we believe in the Holy Spirit here. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and so we want to continue this. And I want you to look with me, and I want to read Acts 13, 1 through 4. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Now, look there at verse 2. And the Holy Spirit said, say that with me. And the Holy Spirit said, now let's all say it together. Come on, here we go. And the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts by your spirit. We're open to receive today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. This weekend, Carrie and I had the wonderful privilege of being with the Michael family. Kayla and Colin were married up around Oklahoma City, Norman and Blanchard area this weekend. And Carrie and I got to be a part of that. And so on... Uh, Saturday, we got to have lunch with our boys, which is always a treat. And then Carrie, uh, as her custom is, wanted to go shopping. <laughs> so we're on a uh, side road. We're getting ready to turn on to Northwest Expressway. And Carrie knows where I'm going with this story. And she didn't know I was going to tell the story. But we're getting ready to turn on Northwest Expressway. And we're in the left-hand turn lane. Now, most of you know, traffic lights today have sensors on them. You, you've seen the little sensors that are pointing off the traffic lights. And what they do is they regulate traffic. If there's no one, you know, coming, they, they stay greener longer where there's more traffic. And, and if there's no one in the turn lane, you know, the, the, the red, uh, the, the green arrow doesn't come on because there's no one in the left turn lane. So we're, we're in the left turn lane, and there is a lady. We debated if it was a man or a woman for a while, but there was a lady. <laughs> Uh, ladies, I'm just telling you the truth. I, 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 I'm not being gender, you know, preference, but it was a lady. So she was in front of us, but instead of pulling all the way up to the front of the turn lane, she was really far back. And so the sensor on the traffic light could not tell anyone was in the left turn lane. So this thing cycled over and 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 over. <laughs> And the, the, the green arrow never, ever came on. The left turn lane is backed up to loco. <laughs> and people in the back are pulling out and they're going around giving this lady this dirty look. And I'm the second one right behind her. And I wanted to help her so bad. 
And so after a long time, I've never sat at a traffic exchange this long. Now, you know my personality. And I told Carrie, I said, I'm going to get out. I'm going to tap her on the window and say, pull up so the sensor will know we're in this lane and we'll get a green arrow. And Carrie said, don't you dare get out of this car. So I kept pulling up closer to her and closer to her and closer to her. And then finally Carrie said, that is close enough. I, listen, I was tempted to give her a little shove up to the line where we could at least turn left. And finally, you know, she, she finally etched up and inched up a little bit where we could, you know, turn. And uh, I wanted to help her so bad. Now, I said all that to say this. Do you know why the Lord gave the Holy Spirit, why the Holy Spirit came in our life? To help us. Jesus said, I'm going to go away. I've commissioned you to do something here. And he said, to do what I'm asking you to do, you need to help her. As long as I'm here with you, I'm your helper. I'm leaving. I'm going back to heaven. And he said, I am going to send, or the Father's going to send another helper in my name. So there is a helper coming. Amen? Amen. So here is what I think that sometimes we fall into this trap. The Holy Spirit is our helper, not our doer. Am I still in the Word? Okay. In this passage, the Holy Spirit said, separate Paul and Barnabas, or Saul and Barnabas, this is the Apostle Paul, for the work that I have for them to do. Now, the Holy Spirit's going to help them do that work, right? Signs, wonders, miracles, anointings, you know, all visions, uh, dreams. I mean, all that's going to happen. But separate them for the work that I have for them to do. Sometimes in the church, and listen closely, and, and we're all a little bit guilty, we're looking for God to do everything, and God will do everything, but how many of you know he's going to do it through us? It has been his will for us to be kingdom workers, and he's going to help us do that work by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So for the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about the work of the Holy Spirit and how necessary it is for, to, for us to understand this. Now, in Acts 1, Jesus told those disciples, he said, go back to the upper room and wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. And he said, wait till you be endued with power from on high, and you shall be my what? Witnesses. So the first thing we know in Acts 1 is we have power to witness. So 120 believers went to the upper room, and they're waiting for the promise of the Father. And Jesus said, this promise will come, wait and tarry, until you're endued with power from on high. Now, your attention please. It wasn't just apostles in the upper room. It was disciples, both men and women. There were 120, and they're waiting for 10 days for the baptism, and they really don't know how this is going to happen, and they really don't know just by faith receiving what the promise is. But here they are. They're waiting for the promise of the Father, and then 
on the day of Pentecost when the fullness of time came, when it was the right time, right place, one place, one accord, there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting, cloven tongues like as of fire set on each of them. They began to speak in languages they had never learned and then it spilled out to the streets of Jerusalem and Peter preaches the very first sermon in the early church under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Now, what about this infilling of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to give you five things very quickly this morning. Number one, is it scriptural? Is it scriptural? So we have to not listen to grandma or grandpa or the denomination or the pastor or the preacher. We have to listen to the Word of God. Okay, we all in agreement here? So is this scriptural? Well, in Acts 2, we know what happened. I just told you what happened. The 120, they're filled. Now, go with me to Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, this is sometime after Acts 2, so we have some time here. And Philip goes to Samaria. What's he doing? He's doing exactly what Jesus told him to do. He said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth of the world. So now they're leaving this hub of Jerusalem. They're, they're going out in these concentric circles. They're getting further and further. Now Philip is at Samaria, and guess what he does? He preaches Christ. Yeah. You know, that, that's the gospel. We're preaching Christ. His ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and the Bible says they believe the word of God. So they became believers. Look what, what verse 14 says. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So these believers at Samaria, once they believed, then the apostles laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, go with me to Acts 10. So we're going to fast forward. Some more time has uh, taken place. Now, this is the first time we have record of Gentiles being saved. This is when a man, a centurion by the name of Cornelius, is praying. And he is a good man, a devout man, and a just man. But he's a lost man. How many of you know, you can be good and honest and devout and just and still be lost? Because Jesus saves you. You can't be morally good enough to be saved. If you could, Jesus would have never had to go to the cross. So here Cornelius is. He knows there's a God. He really didn't know what to do, so he prays, he prays, he prays. He prays so hard, he prays an angel down from heaven. That's a prayer. This guy prays an angel down from heaven, and the angel says, send for one Simon Peter. He's down at Joppa. He's at this house, and he will give you words. He'll tell you how to get saved. Why didn't the angel tell him how to get saved? Because it was never the angel's job to tell people how to get saved. We're entrusted with the gospel, right? It's our obligation. It's our duty. We're to declare the words and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So Peter comes up. So I want you to catch the picture. Peter comes up to this group of Gentiles. Now, it's interesting to me that the Lord chose Peter to do it. And let me tell you why. 
Because Peter had just a little bit of that something. Peter was just a little discriminating. He was a little bit of a prude. He was a little bit racially prejudiced, right, to Gentiles. Now, I'm not knocking Peter. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. So Peter had to be prepared to go to Cornelius. Now, Cornelius, the Bible says he's a centurion from the Italian band. Everybody say Italian. Italian. Now, why is the Holy Spirit wanting us to know he's from the Italian band? Because he's from Italy. He's not a Jew. He's not from Judea. He's not from Palestine. He's not from Israel. He's come from Italy. He's there as a soldier on a mission there. But he loves God. He's serving God. He wants to know God. God is revealing himself to him now. And Peter comes and preaches. Now, this is verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words. What words? He's preaching Christ. While he's speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, that's the Jews, who believe were astonished. You know what they're saying? Get out of here. You know what just happened? These Gentiles are getting saved. So the Jews, they're astonished. As many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Now, what happened? They're listening to the word of God being preached. They're listening about Christ. And as they listen to the word of God, they believe How many of you know they have faith to believe? And when they believed, guess what happened? The Holy Spirit fell on them, filled them, and the Jews were astonished that these Gentiles are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And now notice what Peter said. He says, can any man forbid water that we shouldn't baptize them because they received the Holy Spirit just as we did. You see it? Just as we did. Now, fast forward to Acts 19, so we're, we're going a bit further. Now, folks, we're not talking about days that have transpired here. We're talking about weeks and months and years. Somebody say amen. amen. So, time is marching on. Now, we're at Acts 19, and Paul has been converted. So, Saul of Tarsus now is the Apostle Paul. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions or coasts, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples or some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they're believers. Everybody say believers. So where, where did they believe and when did they believe? So before Paul, right? So he, he acknowledges them as believers. And so they said... We have not heard anything about the Holy Spirit because he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? And he said to them, then how were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, I want you to catch something here. 
Here are believers that have been baptized by John the Baptist. So these guys have, you know, had some time in here. They hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And I heard someone said, that's the church I went to. (laughs) Well, I'm just kidding, right? But really, a lot of people haven't heard much about the Holy Spirit. So what we want to do is look in this to see, is this scriptural? And the answer is absolutely yes. Because Jesus talked about the promise that was coming. The promise came in Acts 2, okay? Then we have not only the 120 that are baptized in the Holy Spirit, then there are 3,000 that are added on the day of Pentecost. Then Acts 8, there are people being filled with the Holy Spirit up in Samaria. Then Acts 10, Gentiles are being filled with the Holy Spirit on the coast of Israel along the Mediterranean. And then in Acts 19, up around Ephesus, which is up in Asia Minor, then there are believers being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth dealing with this issue about the Corinthians being filled with the Holy Spirit. And much of his writing was to set them in order. You're going to read in his writings to the Corinthians that he uses this phrase over and over and over again. He says, these things I've written to you to set you in order. Do you know they were believers, but they were getting things out of kilter. They, they had communion out of kilter, didn't they? What we participated in this morning. Do you know they were making communion a feast and they were getting drunk at communion? Well, hallelujah. That's what the scripture says. And he says, you're not esteeming the body and the blood of Jesus. And for this reason, many of you are sick and some of you have died because you've mishandled what is sacred and holy. So he is trying to put them in order. But the point being, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and he's addressing this with them. So being filled with the Holy Spirit is very scriptural. It is in your Bible. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now here's the second point. The infilling of the Holy Spirit was foretold in Scripture. It was prophetic. So this just didn't boom happen and nobody knew. This was foretold in the Word of God by the prophets and by example. Now let me show you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you want to turn there, I want you to see something. And you say, well, Pastor Mike, you said this was foretold by the prophets, but you're going to the New Testament. But what I'm doing is exactly what Paul is doing by saying this isn't just something that God sprung on us. This is an example God showed us centuries ago. Watch this. He said, moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. Now, what does that mean? Do you remember last week when we talked about Hebrews, or two weeks ago, we talked about Hebrews chapter 6. It says, the doctrine of baptisms. How many of you remember that? The word baptisms is plural. We know that we're baptized into the body by the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12. We know there's water baptism. We identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he talks about baptism, the doctrine of baptisms, in a plurality. We know there's at least three baptisms, so the plural baptisms. Now what I want you to see here, and he reverses the order. Now watch this. 
He says, the cloud, the sea, and Moses. You see that? Why does he do it backwards? Because he's looking backwards. You with me? He's looking backwards. So he's looking backwards. How did they get out of bondage? They sat and ate that Passover meal, that first one, and it was the blood of the Lamb that caused them that last plague through the blood of the Lamb that freed them from the bondage of Egypt. And from there, they headed to the Promised Land and they went through the Red Sea and the cloud for 40 years covered them by day and was a burning fire by night. The cloud is symbolic in a type of the Holy Spirit. The sea water baptism and Moses was a type of the Messiah that was to come. And Moses said this, God will raise up a prophet like unto me. Now Moses wasn't the Messiah and he's not the Christ, but he typified the one who is going to lead out of bondage and that's Jesus Christ. And the blood of the Lamb freed them from bondage. But the Lord took an entire nation and baptized them in the Red Sea and covered them with the cloud. And that's what Paul is saying. Now, go with me to Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah 28, this is a verse most of you are familiar with, 11 and 12. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. You know what Isaiah is doing? He's looking to the future and said, this is how God's going to speak to these people. With stammering lips and another tongue, notice what he says, to whom he says, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Do you know that the Jewish leadership would not hear that? But those believers who trusted in Christ, believed in Christ, who went back to that upper room, and everyone who followed, because this is what Peter said, he said, the promise is to you, your children, and all those that are far off. If you want the promise, it's there for you. But you know, some people don't want the promise. It is what causes the weary to rest, but he said, yet they would not hear. The infilling of the Spirit has been talked about prophetically hundreds of years before Acts 2. I'll take the stony heart out of man. I'll give him a new heart. I'll put my spirit within you. So I'm just not going to dwell with you, come upon you. I'm going to dwell within you. And they look for the day when that would happen. Now here's the third thing. The infilling of the Holy Spirit was given under the new covenant. Under the new covenant. You and I live under the new covenant. Let me tell you when the new covenant started. It's when Jesus died on the cross and resurrected from the grave. When Peter preached the first sermon on the day of Pentecost, he called the day that we live in the last days. Do you realize that? That's in your Bible. Who in these last days? Folks, if Peter said that was the beginning of the last days, can I ask you a question? Where are we now? We're 2,000 years from that point, but what Peter is saying, this is the last covenant, this is the last days, we're not waiting for another Savior, Messiah, another sacrifice, this is it, friends. 
We're living under the new covenant. We're living in the last days. The next thing we're looking for is the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're looking for. The blessed hope. That's the next thing we're looking for. Now, I know there's some other things going to happen on this earth, but we're looking for the blessed hope. We're not looking for another covenant, another sacrifice, and the Holy Spirit was poured out under this covenant. We call it the church age, the age of grace, whatever you want to call it. It is today, right now, and that's when the Holy Spirit was poured out and given and still being poured out today. Here's the fourth thing. You and I are instructed to pray in the Spirit. Do you realize that? You and I are instructed to pray in the Spirit. Let me show you. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if you'd like to turn there. Chapter 12, Paul talks about spiritual gifts. Chapter 13, he tells us how spiritual gifts should operate by love, right? Chapter 14, he talks about prophecy, and he talks about speaking in tongues. Drop down to verse 13. Wherefore, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray in the spirit, and I will pray with understanding also. Stop right there. Paul said, I pray two ways. Is that what he said? Okay, I don't think I've convinced. Let me talk to this group over here. <laughs> he, he said, I'll pray in the spirit. And I'll pray with understanding. Is that what he said? Okay. So th those have to be different. Correct? He said, I'll pray in the Spirit. I'll pray in understanding. Now he says, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. He says, I'll pray in the Spirit. I'll pray with understanding also. I will sing in the Spirit. I will sing with understanding also. Else, when you bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say Amen. At the giving, notice this, at the giving of thanks, seeing that he understands not what you're saying, for you must give thanks well, but the other is not edified or built up. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Now this is not what he's saying. He's not saying a person should never speak in tongues. But he's saying if you're addressing me, or you're addressing the congregation or the church, he says, if you speak in tongues, we don't know what you're saying. You're not edifying anybody. You're not building anybody up. And he, he takes a whole chapter dealing with this. And he says, if you're going to address me or the church, he says it needs to be interpreted. But if we're praying... If we are praying, and I'm not addressing you, and you're not addressing me, if we pray in the Spirit, what are we doing? The Bible says we're edifying ourselves, we're building ourselves up, but we can't edify anybody else. But it's okay to edify yourself. And it's, it's also okay to build yourself up, and we're going to look at this in a minute, because Jude said, in the most holy faith. Do you realize that when Paul says, when you pray in the Spirit, that you don't understand fully what's going on? But your spirit is communicating with Almighty God, spirit to spirit, and it's almost like it bypasses your carnality. And so Romans 8 says that we don't always know how to pray. Agreed? Somebody asks you how to pray. You do your best. 
But Romans 8 says that the Spirit makes intercession for us because we don't know how to pray. So therefore the Spirit begins to pray and our Spirit and the Holy Spirit, we're communicating and we're having this dialogue with God, but we fully don't understand what's being dialogued. How many of you believe the Holy Spirit knows what needs to be prayed? Amen. The other day, it's been about a month ago, Carrie and I were in Lawton. We're driving back. I think it's a Saturday or Friday night. We get a call. There's someone going to the emergency room. Call us. Hey, there's an issue. Um, would, you, would you pray for us? We're headed to the emergency room. Carrie said, we'll meet you. We're, we're, we're headed that way, so we'll meet you at the emergency room. So, hung up the phone. Immediately, Carrie begins to pray in the Spirit. Why is she praying in the Spirit? Because we don't fully know what's wrong. We, we don't know all the issues. So, she begins to just pray in the Spirit. So, we're dri I'm driving down the road. Uh, I got my eyes open. Okay. I'm driving down the road. She's over there. She's praying in the Spirit. And so we get a call before we get to the emergency room. Said, don't go there. This thing is turned around. And so the ambulance is here and the first responders are here. But they said, we don't need to go. We don't need to go to the uh, hospital. Everything's okay. Amen. You see, we didn't know really how to pray. Sometimes you don't know how to pray. Do you realize praying in the Spirit may just be a groan? It may just be tears running down your face. You say, oh, Pastor Mike, that's not true. Really? Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus and he groaned. But he didn't just groan. You go back and read it. It says he groaned in the spirit. He groaned in the spirit. Your spirit and my spirit, we don't always know what to pray for. But the Holy Spirit knows and makes intercession for us when we don't know. So the Bible says that we can pray in the Spirit and we can pray not in the Spirit. Now, when he says not in the Spirit, he doesn't mean that you have an ugly spirit. He just basically is saying you're not praying in a prayer language or a heavenly language, right? Now, this is what I know about heavenly languages. Sometimes it's languages that are common to the earth that other people can understand. That happened in Acts 2. But also I realize that sometimes it's a language that's not of this earth. You say, well, where do you get your stuff, Pastor? You're the weirdest preacher. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. Everybody say angels. angels. Can I ask you a question? What language does angels speak? Is it Spanish? I mean, when they arrive, buenos dias. Is it French? Is it German? Norwegian? English? I kind of think they probably have a language all of their own. Matter of fact, they were communicating before man ever came into being. Amen. 
the sons of the morning, the angels were created before man was ever created. They're having dialogue, they're in communication, they're talking to God, they're around the throne, they're saying, hallelujah, holy, 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 what language they're in, I don't know. But Paul said the language of men and angels. So when we say tongues, it could be any language that you don't know, right? How is it that these all being Galileans are speaking in languages that we understand and I know they don't understand? It's the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Now, i got to hurry here. Jude 20, I told you I was going to read this verse, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. Praying in the Holy Spirit. If you do most of your Holy Spirit praying in church, you got it backwards. I'm not saying you can't around this altar or in your prayer time you can't pray in the Spirit. But I'm saying, and I've seen this happen so many times, don't showcase it. Most of your Holy Spirit praying should be in your prayer closet. Driving to work. In your prayer time. Whatever. Listen, I'm not discounting that we don't do it here because I do it. And I do it nearly every service. You may not hear me, but I do it nearly every service. I pray in the Spirit. I'm not here to put on display how holy I am. Because I, dis I disappoint you. I'm just saying, I disappoint you. But I am saying this. Most of your praying should be building you up in the Spirit, in the most holy faith. Why? So when you go out to do, the Holy Spirit can what? Be your helper. Here's the last one. Here's the fifth thing. The Holy Spirit is available for us today. The Holy Spirit is available for us today. Why would you say that? Because we're under this covenant. This is the New Testament church. This is the age of grace. The church that was in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. Same church today. This is the same New Testament church. So pastor, what do I need to do to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Here's the first one. You need to be a believer. No one gets filled with the Holy Spirit unless they're first a believer in Jesus Christ. We need to repent and believe. Now, if someone says, well, why do I need to repent and believe in Jesus Christ? Let me tell you why you need to believe in Jesus Christ. Because he's the baptizer. You remember what John the Baptist said? He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So who's the baptizer of the Holy Spirit? According to the Word of God, Jesus is. And he said, the Holy Spirit cannot come unless I ascend and I go back to heaven. And so I am going to see another helper come into the picture here in your life. So we have to repent and believe. Now, your attention please. You may get the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, before you're ever water baptized. They did in Acts 10. While Peter was still preaching, the Holy Spirit fell and filled all of those Gentile believers with the Holy Spirit, as Peter said, like we received it at the beginning. And he says, now can anybody forbid water that these should not be baptized? You cannot receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit until you repent and you believe. Amen. 
But the work of the Holy Spirit is all over your salvation experience. You can't even come to Christ unless the Holy Spirit draws you. Because Jesus said he will convince the world of sin. So when you're convinced of sin and you need to repent and you need a Savior, guess who's in operation in your life? The Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, go tarry and wait till you be endued with power from on high. And that's the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I have to repent and believe first. I have to accept Jesus Christ. The second thing I need to do is ask. Well, isn't this automatic? You have not because you ask not. You say, well, I just don't believe that. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're questioning me. Luke chapter 11, verse 11. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Folks, that's not my opinion. How many of you know that scripture? So, what do we do? We ask. We have not because we... Ask not. Well, what if I ask and some weird spirit comes on me? Well, God's not going to do that for you. Because if you're wanting to fish, he's not going to give you a snake, is he? You all right? He says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here's the last one. You need to be obedient. You need to walk in his way. You need to repent, believe in him, you need to ask him, and you need to walk in his way. I'll tell you why. Acts 5, look at verse number 32, and we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. God gives the Holy Spirit to those who what? Obey him according to Scripture. So if I repent, if I believe, if I ask, if I walk in his way, guess what? We're all candidates to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? What would it be like if every Sunday morning there's hundreds and thousands of us here and we leave every Sunday built up in worship and praise and music and singing and the word and we go out to the highways and the byways. We go out to our mission field. We go out here and we are doing the work of the Lord. And guess, guess what's happening? We have a helper, right? We have a helper. And the helper is who? The helper is the Holy Spirit. And so when I need help with my marriage, guess who can help me? The Holy Spirit. So when, when, when Carrie gets out of line, she needs help. Holy Spirit help her and when I'm having a conniption fit in the turn lane Holy Spirit help me y'all are so holy Amen. and when you're at work and when you're going through your difficulty and your challenges and you're going through your storm and you're going through your low point and you're going through your depression and your uh, challenges whatever they may be guess what the Holy Spirit is there to help you. 
We need help. We've got to have some help. You are never meant to fulfill this without the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus didn't say, if you want to stay, fine. If you want to tarry, fine. Whatever you want to do. He says, you do not leave this upper room until you are endued with power from on high. And you shall be my witnesses in, Ju in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. You need my help. Folks, we've got to have the help of the Lord. It helps us to worship when we don't feel like worshiping. It helps us to show up when we don't feel like showing up. I said this in the conference. How many of you remember when people used to show up for church? The kids didn't tell you whether you were coming or not? Y'all okay? Well, I don't feel like going, Dad. Okay, we don't go. My mom and my dad never asked me if I want to go to church. You loaded up. We was going. We was going Sunday morning. We was going Sunday night. We was going Wednesday night. We are just going. Why? It's just what we did. I told Carrie this the other day. I said the very thing that the Lord said we needed is what we're not doing. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as you see that day approaching. We're doing exactly the opposite in our culture. I'm not saying you because you're here, okay? Our culture is doing exactly the opposite. You know what's going to happen? They're going to be caught unaware. Let me, let me commend you. And I, I know, listen, we're busy and Carrie and I are busy and people are on vacation, family reunion. So, listen, I, I, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying our culture as a whole, we're headed the wrong direction. If you read an article the other day, the Southern Baptist Convention said they lost 78,000 members last year. We heard the other day, thousands of churches are closing every year. Why? Nobody's coming. We're trusting in everything that's going to be wrong. When everything is ripped away, the only thing you're going to have is your faith in Jesus Christ and a helper to help us get through the most difficult times in our life. We're going to get through it because we have a helper. Stand with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.